0: Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. So our mission statement is what? To multiply. Guys, my, my parents are here, so let's, let's do this a little better. I'm just kidding. I love you so much. Let's try it again. One, two, three. To multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Now, we heard these at the beginning. We've now been walking through our values for three weeks now. We're on our fourth one. But what are our values? Let's say them together. Christ-centered families, intimate communities of discipleship, radical hospitality, vibrant prayer, and cross-cultural mission. Give yourself one of these. Well done. I love it. So, so far, we've been going through this series, and we've walked through them out of order of this. We started with radical hospitality three weeks ago. Sorry, no. Vibrant prayer. Goodness. See where my brain is this morning? Forget this. Don't have that. Vibrant prayer. And then we moved to what? We moved to Christ-centered families, where Pastor Ethan, our family ministries director here, preached on christ-centered families and and how the, the the supreme love of christ is the desire of the home it's a christ-centered family and then, then we moved into what i blipped on earlier radical hospitality pastor bruce Hankey preached on that last week if you didn't hear either of those sermons you need to go listen to them you can go online you can check them out there you can work them in our podcast uh, but but his his definition of hospitality was what hospitable places, spaces in hostile places, right? Kind of redefined hospitality for us in some ways, in line with Scripture. Now today, we're going to be in our last one. Well, not in our last one. Wow. Intimate communities of discipleship. Can we say this one together? One, two, three. Intimate communities of discipleship. Now, so far, we've had these misordered, and, and they kind of move out in concentric circles from self to family to community to all these different things, right? And, and, and in one sense, I've also noticed that these also have increased in discomfort as well, as the level of discomfort you might experience as you go through them, right? We started off with vibrant prayer. Shoot, that's not uncomfortable. You can go do that in your closet all by yourself, vibrantly, Right? So that, that's fine. And then we moved into Christ-centered families. Well, I'm not the greatest dad, but hey, it's my family. It's worth a shot. Let's do it. I'm not that uncomfortable. Maybe, maybe when I do my own devotions, that's one thing, but goodness, it's not that bad. And then we got to what? Radical hospitality. So you're telling me that I've got to go after the somebody who doesn't like me. You're telling me that I've got to go after the somebody who doesn't think like me or believe like me. That's a bit difficult. And then... This, intimate communities of discipleship? Guys, we all have this subtle belief that humanity is our problem. That the biggest problem in my life is other people. Right? People, they're messy, they're icky, Uh, they're the ones who are always hurting me, and now you're saying that we as a church value intimacy in community and following Jesus with them? Hmm. And all God's introverts said, amen. (laughs) Now, Now, in all seriousness, pressing into this is going to be difficult for some of us because some of us come with baggage that we call church hurt. Some of us have been iffy about pressing deep into relationships here because of something that may have happened within this body or something that may have happened a long ago with a different body, I don't know. But one way or the other, some of us are coming to this conversation with some baggage. Some of us are coming to this with church hurt. And so we've, we've, we've not valued this so much. We talk about it, but we don't do it so much because it's, it's pushing us into a level of discomfort that we're not willing to go. Guys, I, I, some of the latest research shows how f- deep friendship has just tanked. Among people, especially among men. So, when we talk about intimate communities of discipleship, we've got all sorts of reworking that needs to be done in our hearts. And, 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 and what I want to do today is I, I, I want to show you what these are, I want to show you how valuable this is, and I want to show you what we're doing about it. But, guys, what I need from the outset for all of us to do is take the church hurt that we've been white-knuckling for so long and just open up our hands and say, God, if you're willing, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to forgive and I'm ready to let go and I'm ready to press in. But that's not something I can do for you. That's something that you must do if we're going to press into this as a value of our church. So with that, In order for us to know what these are how valuable they are we need to define some terms we want to talk about intimacy we want to talk about community and we want to talk about discipleship and then we're gonna go to God's Word and see where we see that so let's start off with intimate can you say the word intimate? intimate intimate now this word is not a biblical word Right? It's not often used in Scripture. The only time where we can actually really see it is in the Old Testament when it talks about sexual intimacy. It talks about knowing someone, but that's a sexual relationship. What we're talking about here is not that, obviously. What we're talking about is something that's less concrete and more abstract. Here's what I mean. The word, the word intimacy is not like projector. Right? Right? You can see it. You can, you can define it. It's really easy to, to take the details and notice it. The word intimate is more abstract, meaning it's more like the word beauty. It's out there. You, we know when we see it, but we can't really nail it down and define it perfectly. Intimacy is like that. And so here's, here's a stab in the dark as to what intimacy means and what we're hoping for it to mean here. Intimacy means knowing and being known by another. Can we say that definition together? One, two, three. Knowing and being known by another. It's like like two-way warmth in a relationship. So it's my wife and I. We are intimately related to one another. Meaning, not just sexually, we are... We are deeply knowing one another. She knows my heart and my, my habits. She knows my failures. She knows my ignorances. She has none of those, so I know her perfectly. You have taught me well, oh wise Debbie. So when we're talking about intimacy, um, there's an article by John Bloom called How to Have Intimacy with God, and it just starts out really good. And it starts out saying that when we talk about intimacy, we always seem to use spatial language, talking about space. So let me, let me, let me define that, what I mean. An intimate friend is, is someone we feel very close to. There's that space, right? They know us at a, a deep level. If something happens or damages that relationship, and in- intimacy of that relationship, what happens? We feel distant from them, right? We don't feel close. We feel distant. A person who doesn't know us intimately only knows us at a shallow level, not a deep level. Now, of course, intimacy isn't spatial. It's relational, right? So, I mean, like, like Ethan and Jen are sitting together right now, but they, for some reason, I don't know, could feel miles apart intimately, and if you could, could have a friend that's 400,000 miles, I don't even know if that's possible, thousands of miles away and feel really close to them. It's possible because it's not physically spatial, it's intimately relational. Now, I'm, I'm 100% positive. Y'all are really, yep, y'all are clicking today. I like it. So no worries about that distance. You know, they're going to go get some bojangles after this. So intimacy, knowing and being known by another, is what we're talking about when we say intimate, okay? Let's push on into the next word, which is communities. Can we say that word, one, two, three? Communities. We need to define this. A community is a group united by what is shared. It's a group that is united by what is shared. So all the individuals that make up that body are held together by something that they hold in common. So for example, if you're talking about ge- geographically, locally, our community around us shares this spot on the map. So our community is the community of the valley. We're valley people, right? We live right in between the valleys and, and uh or in between the mountains and we're in the valley. We're, Waynesboro is the valley city almost. You can have a community that shares the same street, the, the same neighborhood. You can have a community that's not just geographical, it's political, it's the... The, the 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 liberal community you can have the conservative community you can have religious communities right you can have the Muslim community you can have the atheist community notice how I put that in religious because <laughs> intimate community means warmly knowing and being known by a group gathering around something sharing together something and what is it in our case Intimate Communities of Discipleship. Because I don't know if you saw the email that went out this week or the blog post, but one of our uh, resident professors, Kathy Parisian, wrote an article that's titled, uh, Don't Forget the Of, Reflections on a Preposition. So I told you I wasn't going to have an English lesson, but she gave one, and you can go read it online. It's really helpful and really cool in how it applies to our mission. But what I'm getting at is the word of, shows what the intimate community belongs to. It shows what our intimate community holds as the highest value, as what's in common. What does our community hold in common? What's the word? Discipleship. Intimate communities of discipleship. Now, we gotta define this, right? Of discipleship. So if you were to go to discipleship.org, if only discipleship were as easy as a website, Discipleship.org defines it as the state of being a disciple. Easy peasy, right? But what is a disciple? A disciple at its most basic form means learner. It means learner. So what are we in the state of learning? It's because we, we, can, we can be a disciple of anything. You can be a disciple of the Washington football team. I don't know why you would want to, Mike. I'm just kidding. I love you, bud. You can be a disciple of anything you want, but there's only one thing that actually leads to life, and his name is Jesus. So we say, we say that we're disciples of Jesus. So this has in view our mission, that we're multiplying faithful followers of Jesus Christ, and that's in the context of intimate communities. So our intimate communities here have in common being disciples of Jesus. Now, we had... One definition of intimacy, another of community, and this one of discipleship, and we're going to just shove all of them together for us to be able to define intimate communities of discipleship, so that when we talk about our value, we know without a doubt what we're talking about. So here it is. Here's how we're defining intimate communities of discipleship. To deeply know and be known by people holding in common following Jesus. Can we read that together? One, two, three. To deeply know and be known by people holding in common following Jesus. Intimate communities of discipleship. Now, where do we see that here? You're already there, hopefully. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Goodness, do we see it. Let me get some context on it. We're going to be at the end of chapter two, not the beginning. So go ahead and get to that last page, if you know what I mean. Let me get some context. Jesus Christ has already been, uh, he's lived, he's been crucified, offered up as an atonement for sin, he's been buried, he's been risen from the dead, and he's ascended into heaven already, not without first promising the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples are waiting in the upper room. They're, just, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And boom, does he come in power? He indwells the disciples who follow Jesus. They go out into the streets and start proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. in all these different languages, people who are in from the festivals are gathered around. And they're hearing the gospel preached in their own native tongue. And they're like, whoa, what is happening? What kind of drugs are they on? What, what are they drinking? It's only nine in the morning or whatever, right? But no, the Holy Spirit had come. And then Peter gathers people around and he preaches a convicting gospel. And people are cut to the heart. It says they're pierced all the way down. And their question is simply, what can we do? And Peter's response is repent and follow Jesus. And then that's where we get to verse 41. That's where I'm going to start reading. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Oh, the day that we could preach the gospel in our community and 3,000 people would follow Jesus. It can happen. Verse 42, they devoted themselves, those 3,000 They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. What do you think? Pretty intimate community of discipleship there. Think that looked pretty good, didn't it? That's amazing. We see an intimate community of discipleship there. Now, we're going we're gonna to go into this text, but I have to first mention, and I wish I had more time to talk about this, we haven't seen this kind of living since the garden. We, we, we haven't had this. What we see in Acts 2, we haven't had since Genesis 1 and 2. Not fully. Think about it. In the garden, we had an intimate community of discipleship. Right? As God's presence was was perfectly, fully close. It was available. Nothing stood in the way of it. And all of humanity in that time, which was Adam and Eve, could enjoy God. And they shared God. They had access to them. That's what they had in common. And as they knew God, He taught them the way of life. He showed them what is good. We had an intimate community of discipleship in Genesis 1 and 2, and then we lost that, didn't we? Genesis 3, right? We ate the fruit, creation was fractured. Intimacy was distanced, community was broken, and learning directly from God without anything in the way was lost. And yet, here, right here in Acts chapter 2, we see God's presence perfectly and fully available in the person of His Spirit, shared in common by the people, teaching them the way to life and bringing others into it. So, what happened? What changed? What won this for us? Because we had missed it for so many millennia. Jesus came. The one who was promised in Genesis 3 to crush the head of the snake. He's the one who came, offered up the ultimate and final sacrifice so that God's presence could dwell among his people once again. Unhindered by anything. And there we have an intimate community of discipleship. God is dwelling with us in the same space, others sharing that same indwelling, and God teaching us His ways. And did you notice how natural this came was, or this, this part was? Did you notice how natural it just seemed to happen? Did you see any membership classes in here? Right. Did you, they got saved, and then, nope, 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 you've got to be discipled for three years. And you have to go through our membership confirmation process, and you've got to be told how to live. You've got to be told how to do this. No, no, no. There's something that comes about when the gospel goes forward, and intimate communities of discipleship just pop up. It just happens. They're the natural byproduct of wherever the gospel of Jesus goes. It's like this overflow of what it means to be redeemed and restored. It's like you're immersed immediately into an intimate community of following Jesus. It's like you're immediately entered into knowing and being known by people who hold in common following Jesus. So, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna see this here. And we're going to start in the level of intimacy. We're going to start in this conversation with the intimacy that we saw among these people. What do we see? What do you notice? Look at verse 44. It says, Now all the believers, which 3,000 of them, they were together. That's easy. They were in the same space. They were physically close to one another. Verse 45 says they addressed one another's needs. Okay. Well, you got to have a certain level of intimate knowledge about another person to know their needs, right? Verse 46, they were in each other's homes in addition to their gatherings in the temples. I don't know about you, but my home is my bubble. When somebody comes in it, they're invading my space. There's an intimacy there, right? What else do we see in verse 46? They ate their food together. They shared their emotions together. They were in awe together. Like they belonged together. And they each knew each other so deeply that they were aware of the great needs in each other's lives. And they sold their own stuff to help meet those needs. So I I just need to, to go ahead and just say this. Can you see how intimacy requires a level of vulnerability from each of us. If we're going to have intimacy, we first have to be willing to be vulnerable. I mean, can you imagine being the person with the need in this community? Right? You, you go, something happens, you go and you say, man, family, I I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm have enough to feed my my sheep this this month. Or you go, you're the one who has the need, and you say, man, my, my donkey broke down. I need some replacement parts for it. I don't know what to do. Guys, for some people, that can be really embarrassing. Which is why this requires a level of vulnerability from each of us to be willing to be known, and to intentionally pursue knowing others. Because I gotta tell you, there's no way around this either. We cannot be a true community of discipleship without there being intimacy shared among us. It's impossible. If you don't believe me, what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna show you, and I'm not kidding when I ask this, I need four volunteers. I'm serious. I need four people who are willing. to All you got to do is just come up and stand and follow my instruction. That's all it takes. Just four volunteers. All right. Me and Lisa. My mom, come on up. Austin's coming. <laughs> all right. So what we're going to do, is we're going to illustrate why intimacy is uh, required, how it's impossible for us to pursue after Jesus without without having intimacy among us. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand over here. I want you to come from back there. I want you to stand over here. Austin, I want you to go in there. So let's say that this is the person of Jesus right here, this point right here. And let's say we're all in common saying, we're going to pursue after Jesus. Now, does that mean we can go, okay? No, because where's Jesus? We don't get to make our own Jesuses, right? Right? We all have to follow the same person. So that doesn't mean that when we say go, you start running off on all sorts of directions. There's only one Jesus for us to follow. So let's say that we decide that we're all going to follow Jesus together. Let's step towards Jesus. One. All right, stop. What happens to every single one of us? I can touch people. I put some uh, lotion on this morning. So, here's what I'm getting at. You notice how we got closer together. Here's what's going to naturally happen. Can you, can you see right there? I've got a... Can you see that? Can you all see that? I have a dilated pore of whiner. I've got a hole in the side of my head. I'm not embarrassed about it, obviously. But it's an imperfection. And the only way that people can see our imperfections is if they're close enough. And what can they do? Oh, that's not a big deal. Oh, it's okay, that's not weird or anything. Though I might think it's weird. I've got a hole in this side of my head. So we, we, we come together, we get closer, what's gonna happen? People are gonna start seeing our blemishes, they're gonna start seeing our imperfections, and that's okay. Here's another thing, you, you guys, can you see that? Scar. Yeah, right? Can y'all see that? <laughs> kind of, right? It's be Guys, this is a scar that I got from football back in middle school. And you probably haven't noticed it yet. You probably haven't been able to see it. You can't see it so far away right now, but these people can. So not only when we get closer to Jesus do we get closer to other believers who can see our imperfections, but they can also see our scars and see the things that we come to Jesus with, the pains that we have. And they can encourage us in it. But how can we receive encouragement from scars from people who never even know them? So can you see if we're all following Jesus together, we're just gonna naturally converge closer and closer to one another, and we're gonna start bumping in to other brothers and sisters, and eventually we start coming together. And we find ourselves intimately connected to one another. Now, there's one more thing. You notice how there's somebody up here who knows my past? Who, who, could, who could dump some knowledge on you on why I don't belong up here? What happened in third grade stays in third grade, Mom. There's also people who know your history. And that means that sometimes if you have a history that you're ashamed of, you need to go before God and embrace the forgiveness that he has, even if other people in this community might know it. Because they're defined by the same grace and they're drawing nearer to the same Jesus who holds no record of wrong against us. So with that, it's okay to draw near. In fact, we can't avoid intimacy if we're pursuing after Jesus. Does that make sense? Thank you, ladies and gent. You may go see. Give them a round of applause. Thank you. So, intimacy. We can't pursue after Jesus without experiencing it. But let me tell you why it's so good. Let me tell you with a, another story. Uh, how many of you know the name Payne Stewart? He was a, a famous golfer, he's a two-time U.S. Open champion. Um, and you probably know how his story goes. It's pretty tragic, but for those who don't, let me start it off with this way. Uh, he, he lived in Florida and he was on a flight to uh, Dallas to, to play in a tournament later that week. But they got on a private jet with, maybe he had three or other, four other people with some of the pilots as well, and, and they take off. And about 30 minutes after the plane took off of the runway, it went silent, nothing. No communications, no, nobody answering the hails from the ground. About 20 minutes later, the Pentagon uh, commissioned fighter jets to go track it down and stay close to it and make sure they could track it. Some of the jets got close enough to see it from afar. And everything looked fine. There was no smoke, no gas, no liquids coming out. From afar, man, everything looked great. It looked like a normal plane. You couldn't tell anything was wrong. Two hours later, one pilot finally got close enough to see what was wrong, and boy, it was bad. All the all the windows had been iced over, and there was no movement inside. You see that shortly after takeoff, the plane lost pressure and all the cold air just filled in. They lost oxygen. Uh, maybe within two to th- one to two minutes, everybody was unconscious. And if not later, they were already dead from oxygen deprivation. That plane looked like it was flying just fine, but it was filled with death. And it later went on to just crash in the Dakotas. The point of that is this, it wasn't until somebody got close enough to see what was really wrong inside. And sometimes we're more ignorant of what's wrong within us, and other people are the victims of it. And if we're willing to have a little bit of humility and let a a, a few people draw near enough to where they can see what's going on within us, they might be able to call out of the death that's within us and lead us into a relationship with Jesus more deeply. But that can't be done from afar. We must be willing to draw near to one another intimately in order for us to really be a community of discipleship. That's the first component. That's what we see here. A level of vulnerability from those who are in need, a level of commitment from those who aren't and can serve. In fact, that leads us to our second component, where we're talking about sorry, when we're talking about communities. Where do we see that in here? We're asking the question: where do we see the times where they share things in common? What, do, what are they sharing? Well, first, we obviously know that they're sharing the gospel, they're sharing their salvation, they're sharing the presence of the Spirit from what we just heard about earlier. But, but look at verse uh, 42. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. You Greek buffs know that that word's what? Koinonia. It's the word koinonia. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Koinonia. It means Community. It means to have in common, to share. You heard about it last week in Pastor Bruce's sermon about that Koinonia Farms down in Georgia where they came together and they shared things in common. This group in Acts 2 is a community that holds things in common. Like what? What do we see? What do they hold in common? Do we see them hold a a, a favorite TV show? Do they hold in common their favorite hobby? Is that what they gather around, knitting? No. Do they gather around golf? I think we could argue that. I'm just kidding. No, we can't. What, are they, what, what is it? Verse 44. And they held all things in common. How, how much is that? All. All means all, and that's all all means, right? So what's mine is yours. Now, you could take it a step further and say, what's yours is mine. We're not going to do that. But what's what's mine is yours so much so that when you have a need, I'm willing to sell my stuff so that you can have what you need. Because it's just stuff. So that you won't go without. What else do they hold in common? They held meals in common. Goodness. they, They ate together. They shared gathering together in common. Their priorities and their values, their devotions were shared in common. Guys, I got to ask is this, is this what our body looks like? I mean, are we, we willing, really willing to say, hey, my, my stuff is your stuff? Your needs are my mission. Let me know how I can help you. I'm serious. I want to serve you. Guys, that was what they had in common. They were committed to this community. And and, and obviously, most importantly of all, they shared one person in common, and that was Jesus. They shared the gospel of Jesus and following him in common in their state of being disciples. They were disciples in discipleship. So it was intimacy, community, and now we're looking at discipleship. Where do we see discipleship in here? Well, verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which is not only meals, but it's the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. They prayed together. Verse 43 says that they they saw signs and wonders being done among them. Verse 47 says that every day more disciples were added to their number, which is a true sign of discipleship. Because they were they were committed to helping one another, to know and be known by Jesus, to following Him, to aligning the ways of their lives with the way of Jesus. So, brothers and sisters, I got I got to just say this: many of us think that this gathering here on Sunday morning is the only thing that helps you, that actually is required for you to grow as a disciple. Boy, you've got it wrong. You need people closer to you. You need lesser people at a more deep level in your life. You need to be closer to people who share in goal the common or share in common the goal of following Jesus in discipleship. You need to be close with those who have walked with Jesus, who know him deeply. So here's, here's a way that I can I can illustrate that. And I'm gonna try to go quick with this. I mentioned that this past weekend I went on a fishing trip with my brothers. Guys, I had a blast, but I got to tell you, I don't fish. I, I I just. I think the last time I picked up a fishing pole was with my grandpa when I was a kid. It was years ago, but my brothers, my brothers, uh, uh, got me introduced to it earlier this year, and I fell in love with it again. and And they wanted to do a fishing trip, so we did one this past weekend. and and I had a blast with them, but I didn't know the game. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like holding the line out the kayak. Hey, come here. Fishy, fishy, fishy. Didn't work. So I could tell you, here's what I did. I, I, bought, I bought some of the, I had some birthday money. I bought some of the equipment that you need, like the, um, the thingy. And, and, and I bought some of the stuff you put at the end of it to get fish to like it. And... Um, and I, and I asked all sorts of questions in my head. So I started doing all sorts of research. I watched a ton of YouTube videos. It didn't, it didn't help at all. I get there. I'm like heading out into the water with my kayak. Like, oh, this is going to be great. And I'm leaving them behind. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fish. Guys, I didn't catch a thing. And I started getting frustrated. And there's this point in the trip where my oldest brother, my older brother, Kyle... Uh, he he saw just how frustrated I was getting that I wasn't catching a single thing. And he came over and he just kind of pulled up beside me and got close and said, Scott, I'm not, I'm not going to do any fishing until you catch something and I'm going to coach you. And he said, no. so throw your line right there. All right, now do this. And make sure you're holding it this way. Make sure you reel it in this speed. And then now go throw it over there and, and, and let's do it this way. You guys, you know, you know what? happened? I caught some fish. Because there was somebody who was willing to come close. And there was somebody who was willing to be critiqued. And there was somebody who knew what they were doing. And that same person was willing to put his own priorities on hold and count my interest as better than his own. And so with that, I caught some fish because somebody was willing to draw near and teach me. Guys, if we're going to be an intimate community of discipleship, we have to be willing to let others instruct us and teach us and inform how we're following Jesus. We can't do that at a distance. And I've got to be honest, this is a distance. But if you were to come get coffee with me, That'd be intimate. That'd be close discipleship. And if we're willing to be a little bit vulnerable, if we're willing to be a little bit loving and considerate of others, we might just end up looking like this New Testament intimate community of discipleship. Because I gotta tell you, I I don't often see this in the American church. I just don't. Do you? I mean, I think there's a a few reasons why, several reasons. There's one big one, and I think it's this. We've made the church so programmatic and event-oriented, and we've done away with everything that's about intimate community. So the way that looks like is church success. You know those churches that are successful? They're the ones who have butts in the seats and bucks in the plate. The, The higher the attendance and the higher their budget, the more successful that church is. And so what that means is we try to have our big events. We get our big crowds to come in. And what ends up happening is most people end up using that as cover to sneak in and sneak out with no one actually talking to them without really knowing or being known by anyone. And if we don't really know or aren't really known by anyone, then goodness, we won't know what we can share in common together. And if we don't know that, then goodness, our discipleship's just going to stay shallow. And we're going to stay distant from one another because we've made following Jesus out to be a Sunday morning event, not the supreme focus of our lives with brothers and sisters who are sharing that in common. We've made participating in church life about entertaining events. So this, this brothers and sisters, this, this value here is specifically why we are implementing are specific ministries called Life Groups and Disciple Bands. We're, we're, we, they've already started. Life Groups and Disciple Bands. Guys, we, we've had Life Groups going on for a few weeks now. If you haven't found one to get connected with, that's where you're going to experience this more deeply. Just got to tell you. All right? We've, we, we belong to a Life Group. I'm not leading one. We belong to the young, life or young Family Life Group, right? It meets on Thursday nights. Guys, this past Thursday, we were over at the Coles moving them into their new home. Right? Their move was our move. Their burden was our burden. And you know what that required of them? The invasion. (laughs) They had to let us come into their home. Guys, I was holding a full bucket of laundry, dirty laundry. And Jordan's like, don't don't look into that, please. I'm like, oh, I didn't have plans to. Just tell me where to go. You think that's a little bit vulnerable of them? But goodness. That move took an evening. Plus maybe the afterwork, right? A little bit of a little bit of afterwork the day after. So first off, Coles, thank you. Thanks for letting us serve you. Thanks for being vulnerable and letting us intimately be a part of your life. But that's life group. We share meals together on Thursday nights sometimes. We, we, we laugh, we joke. Some people have cried. Shared their struggles. Goodness. It's a beautiful thing. Not only do we have life groups, but we also have disciple bands. Now, those aren't necessarily something that we can do, but a disciple band is a group of two or three people who are Intimately connected in levels of accountability, Bible reading, and compassion. And we have resources available for you to start a relationship with somebody like that or another person, same gender, uh, talking through levels of accountability, levels of of Bible reading, and who we're praying for for missional purposes. As in, these are available on the little table out in the back of the welcome table, but... Here's what I have to say about all of this, about our life groups, about our disciple bands, about this value of intimate communities of discipleship, and then I'm going to be done. We can't program this. We can't make you do this, can we? No, I I don't have any control over whether or not we're actually valuing this. No we, we, I, we, we, I, I, I can't do it. I mean we can talk about intimate communities of discipleship all day long womp, 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 but but we have no control over whether or not our church will be full of intimate communities of discipleship until the people who are responsible for this take ownership and you know who's responsible? Raise your hand me each and every one of us we're all responsible for this when I decide that I'm going to run after Jesus and I'm going to be willing to get a little bit vulnerable and with those who are doing the same then we're going to see this value just spring up to life in our church so the question for you today ultimately is simply this will you own this will this be your value Guys, I got to tell you, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what the person on your left or your right, this person that you're married to, it doesn't matter what they're doing. If you're feeling the weight of this, if you're feeling the goodness of this, if you're believing it, then goodness, make it your own. Who knows? Maybe, maybe the, the community around us will see our values in the life of our body more than just on our website. God, would you make this so? We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.